welcome inside the world of Do It Own. Today, joining me in the studio, I have Lewis Cratham from the UK. Lewis, how's it going? Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Lewis. So, dude, are you at home? Because are you in Worthing? I am in sunny Worthing. I've got back from Cape Town after a few months out there, and summer has really hit us here. We've got 15 degrees today, and it's not even April yet. Watch out, mate. It might be time to get the old shorts out. I, I am in the shorts. I've been uh, I've been out in the shorts and T-shirt all day. <laughs> so, Lewis, you just said, so you, you've recently come back from Cape Town. Cape Town seems to be the place for you to go your winters. And obviously, you know, I know when it comes to big air and strong winds, that kind of has to be your background. Oh, you, you can't miss a season out in Cape Town, really. If you're a big air rider, especially from the northern hemisphere where I am in the south of England, it's it's so cold those January, February months. You really do want to be out in Cape Town where it's good, strong wind and really the whole world of big air seems to go there. So that's something that I've been doing for the last 15 years of my life, really. Now, it is a beautiful place to go to Cape Town that time in the year. But before we start talking about the present, Lewis, let's talk a little bit about the past. You know, obviously, um, you are one of the names in Big Air from the beginning. In my view, you know, you, Aaron and Ruben, you guys were the first riders to start to loop it. You were the first nutters to start to, hit, you know, put that kite right in front of you and underneath you and get that power. But where did your kiting journey begin? Okay, so my kiteboarding journey began uh, in Worthing, in at Lansing Beach, where I was brought up on the beach with my parents. I've always lived in, in Worthing as my hometown, which is an hour south of London. And it's very windy here, and I sort of learned to get into windsurfing just as I was leaving college. I've always been into sports, and I saw the ocean as another place that maybe I could learn a sport. Mm-hmm. So I, I jumped on a windsurf, learned to do that. And then I bought my first kite at 17, actually, which is quite an old age when you consider how young the young, you know, the riders are as world champions at that age nowadays. But for, the sport hadn't really been around or caught anyone's attention. And that was around 2002 that I got into it on my local beaches. So, yeah, that's my story of getting into it. Now I'm uh, 36 and uh, I think 36, 37. I forget. You forget these days, Joe. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot gone on in between from me first picking up a kite. And I'm really stoked to be involved in the kiteboarding scene still. Um, there's lots of positive things in the pipeline. Yeah, no, it, it is really good to say. There's a saying in Spanish, which is watching the balls from the other side of the fence. I think it's um, it's really nice to kind of I mean, see that relay go on. You know, you've been a competitor yourself. You've been from the very beginnings of the sports. I mean, I remember the days of when we were, you know, hanging out in the UK at the Windfest or going down with Rue from those days was the kite surf mag. You come into Tarifa. I think it's really cool to still see those faces involved in the sports because when it does come to the knowledge the experience is so important oh massively i'm the same i remember all of those things vividly with you and seeing other people in the sport and i love to see how people have found their own journeys through the sport there's so many opportunities in kiteboarding um not just 
you know, competing, which even for yourself, you could say you, you've had a similar experience where you've gone off on different journeys and, and said yes and taken opportunities. And I, and I think that that's something that kiteboarding really boasts. There's so many different ways you can become a professional and make a living out of the sport. No, absolutely. And, it, you know, it's it's not the destination, it's the journey itself, mate. And I think, um, you know, there are some times through the careers of, you know, athletes or people involved in the sports that you can get tired or you can't see the the light but I think we can consider ourselves very fortunate to be able to live the life that we have until now oh massively you know when I think of the traveling I've done and then maybe the lessons I've learned as well kiteboarding really shaped me as a person when I learned at 16 17 you know the people I was hanging around with there and a totally different um to now and the way I think and the way I am has all been because of the sport of kiteboarding and the wonderful people and places that I've been so I do consider myself so fortunate that I found the sport and I and I really went for it. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, Lewis, you've won a lot. You've been four times British champion. You've been on, you know, the top five of the quota for many years, and you won at the first Red Bull Megaloop Challenge in 2012 in South Africa. Correct me if I'm wrong. Big air and touching the sky has always always been a very important part of your kiting career. Yeah, I think that was what really drew me into the sport. I had a a lot of experience jumping off diving boards when I was younger and I could do everything on trampolines and bouncy castles and off the piers here. I could double flip the top board at the swimming pool and then I saw kiteboarding and thought, wow, I've got like five seconds in the sky here, like eight seconds. And it was like slow motion when I first learned to jump, (laughs) to, to be upside down and rotate. That was the pull to me. But then devastatingly, just as I got into it, this whole movement happened with sort of wake style and handle passes well when i say devastatingly it was more i had to relearn a lot of things i I didn't know how to do things with a bar behind my back but i really followed that and tried my best at that but big air got parked in the background if you like and then it it was just wonderful how it re-emerged in sort of you know i guess with sort of ruben's event the lenten megaloop in 2012 being one of the big ones and with my own ventures of jumping up here being that sort of holding on to big air it was just amazing how it all came back i love it yeah, I think I think one of the things I really love about the, you know, the youngsters, the groms coming up now, because like you say, I mean, we're the same age. Um, you can see a lot of the the rookies coming up. They call this big air new school. And this always messes with my head, because for me, you know, looking at, back at Robbie Nash, Flash Austin, I mean, Mark Shin coming from the UK is how not, you know, so many you know, times, multiple times world champions when board offs big air and flying through the sky was the thing to go and now you can see a lot of the the youngsters driving away from the pure freestyle wake style and actually going into just getting the height with the additions of you know how the equipment has improved the kite loops and that they are just absolutely out to lunch yeah, it's um, it's pretty amazing how things can change so quickly. But it's it's great that the sport has its own different disciplines, and they feel like they're all in a nice place right now, where they're recognised properly, and the tours are supporting them. You know, and but maybe before there just wasn't enough space. It was all like, well, let's mm-hmm. do this discipline, let's mm-hmm. do that one, and all the riders kind of did all different disciplines. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen now at the top part of the sport, but it's great to see the kids see big air and see some of the biggest 
biggest events like King of the Air and some of these other events and think, I want to be in them. I want to copy these guys. And some of them don't even realize, actually, that guys like Aaron Hadlow were around at the early Big Air stages, what you're saying we referred to as old school in a way, <laughs> then were, then became known for their multiple world champions, you know, in freestyle, but then went back to Big Air. It's almost like, you, you, you know, if you were a certain age now, you might not have ever even seen that happening. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's actually one of the really nice things, you know, one of the things I love about uh, Kota, the king of the air in South Africa, is that we see the we see the boys, you know, we, we see, you know, the likes of Kevin Langere, yourself, Aaron, guys who have been around from the very beginning and pushing the youngsters as far as they know. I remember having an interview with um, Nick, ja- Nick Jacobson on the beach. And one of the things he said is, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the kids are here. They can come, but give, give us 40 knots and you can see what, our, what the experience and the old boys can throw at them. And that is so true. And it's, it's really nice to see the, the playing field has opened up once again. Yeah, and I think uh, I think I re- re- you know I felt the same as as Nick, but that really the experience is really key. You know, especially in super strong wind. I mean, the analogy I've always used is of an airline pilot, where the the best yes, ones are yes. in their forties and fifties because they've got that experience. But it's totally changing now, where these riders that can be 15 and 16 and they can handle it in 40 knots i really i really never expected that and i think that's what's so amazing is they haven't been doing it for 10 15 years they've just got that feeling and understanding and and that's something i didn't think that we would see i thought us old guard would be in these events until we were like 50 (laughs) (laughs) i want to see you boogie looping at 50 mate (laughs) we'll see so i mean lewis one of the things that i reckon defined your career like you said before was the uh, jump of the worthing pier how did that come into your mind's eye and you know what was the preparation because you know i think that was 2009 2000 2010 and it was all over the place and i mean you've got to grow a pair to good jump across that pier yeah well there's there were two piers actually there was worthing my hometown and to, to give you an idea of that story that was just simply me and my mate jake who go kiteboarding uh, every day sometimes go downwind past the pier and naturally were jumping around or near it and thought we're looking over that we can do that and he was actually <laughs> he was the first person to jump over that pier that day they all missed him the two the two or three camera guys i invited he jumped straight out the top of the frame of their cameras then i then went at the time i agreed that i would go and they captured my video and that really went everywhere and was just really amazing really because we never set out for that mm-hmm. exposure we, we we did that because it was our local landmark but then a year later the real career defining moment for me was that i set my focus on brighton pier which is a a bigger pier in a more known city which is just down the road for me another local landmark and in some ways for me that was marking a time where i was nearly ready to give up my pursuit of being a professional kiteboarder i'd been a four times british champion i was um you know really decent big air rider and it was hard to make it work it was hard to earn a living i spent time living in my van and I didn't have the most amazing support for my parents who were, were worried I was getting into a, a career which maybe wasn't supporting a, you know, mm-hmm. a proper, a proper income. So 
my jump over Brighton Pier was really a release of of all of those expectations of the life I wanted in kiting and a challenge that I focused on for a year. And off the back of that, again, it exploded and went all around the world and was actually the catalyst for me to get my first real, what I consider proper international contract, which was then with Best the following year. And that completely changed my life and opened my eyes to different angles you could do you know you could work in as far as gaining exposure and and doing things other than the competition scene yeah and i think that's one of the things that a lot of the the groms and a lot of riders forget is that in the end what brands are looking for they're looking for a full package they're looking for an ambassador on and off the water it's all it's all good that you can do all the spins the tur- the twirls the handle passes go huge but if when you come out onto the beach you can't engage with what in the end will be end customers because in the end it is you know those people they want the weekend warriors the you know the average joes that want to be able to try and do what you're doing and to be able to enjoy and have those same sensations it's so important as an athlete to be able to have those two sides and like you say throughout the the history of kiting we can see the riders that have been good at competition but also great off of the waters are the guys that are still involved they're involved in as team managers as competition organizers or still as professional athletes i I completely agree with that joe and i like to always speak to young people who are aspiring to have a career in the sport and tell them just simply how important it is that they take time to launch and land other kite borders and actually, you know, consider that there's more going on than just yourself. But I also have to remember how I was when I was younger and mm-hmm. I was 18 years old and I was pretty much, you know, British champion by the age of 19, 20. And I wanted to go and prove myself. And I, it was all about me a little bit. And I think that's natural a little bit when you're at a young age, you haven't learned 100%. those, you haven't learned those things and as you go through um, through life and your, your journey you either pick up those important lessons about taking time for other people and developing your communication skills and and they will come back later on down the line where you can use them in different roles like you're saying so it, it is definitely something that changes as you as you get older but there's like you said it's such valuable um, skill uh, skill sets to have for sponsors you know that's what they want they don't sometimes want the best guy in the water that helps but what they really want is somebody that can communicate communicate um, their product to people and, and share the stoke naturally. Now, I think 100% and, you know, you, both of us being, you know, involved in brands and, and you know, now together with the, in the Duotone Kiteboarding family, we know that is what works. It's all good that you can go and do all the jumps and get those podiums. But in the end, if you want to have a lifetime career and still be involved in the sport, which I think in both of our cases is our passion, you have to know how to reinvent yourself and diversify yourself from one side to the other. Definitely. It's a, it's a real, um, you know, it's adaption, being able to adapt the skills you have. And you touched on, you know, being part of the Duotone family there, Joe, and it's something, where, you know, it's great to talk about because they really do see that in you. I feel really that they believe in what I'm about and they know what my 
um, my skills are and you know what I can bring to the table and I've been on board with Duotone for seven it's my seven years now and I feel really supported and often you can think wow they have a really big team Duotone but every single rider on that team plays their part either it's yes. their top competitor or they're somebody that's uh, you know really good influencing the local community and they do wonderful things you know everybody has their role and it is a wonderful machine to be part of no, it, it is. And I think in the end, it's that, you know, it comes from the, the water sports, the surfing vibe. It is that tribe family feeling. And, you know, it is great to be part of such a big family. Yeah, well, they all do it. That's the great thing about it. Every person you speak to at the office and the testing team and the people at the warehouse, they're all into water sports. So they naturally have that passion in them and it makes it easy to work together. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Water and beers. That's how it works. <laughs> So, um, Lewis, one of the things I, I was had was talking recently also to Emma from the UK, um, you know, our Duotone rep over there. She was saying that you are also very involved with the Groms from both a coaching side with schools and from a mentoring side, which tell me a little bit about that, because I think this is one of the things that probably back in our days, I feel um, that it was lacking and I think a lot of the youngsters can learn a, a lot from you know people like you to be able to have that experience and kind of you know pass down the, the knowledge mouth to mouth well I remember being invited to my high school in 2007 to speak to the, the kids there because I was starting to you know get a journey in kiteboarding and they said we just want you to talk about what you're doing and I thought why would I ever want to go back to school and talk about what I'm doing but I took the challenge and I did it and I enjoyed sharing my story and the things that I'd learned at school that have helped me now. And I, from then on found, I really enjoyed sort of engaging young people. And that went on to becoming a full school program where I really looked to promote wind energy and staying healthy, being active, taking on new challenges and all using kite surfing, which is this wonderful uh, visual tool that you can perform these great interactive assemblies and go flying kites with them on the field. Um, and then when I joined du Duotone sort of seven years ago and started to get to know Emma and what she was doing in the UK, she explained that she's got a real passion for the Groms. And really, that's something that's derived off Duotone. They've been running uh, the Young Blood camps for many, many years now. I mean, how long, how long ago was that started, Joe? Can you give a date on that? A long time ago, because I think with the Baltimore group, it was even the, the Young Bloods back in, the, you know, back in the day, even before that. That's, that's what it's called. That's what I'm referring to. The young the young bloods thing, which was all about bringing in young people into kiting. And actually, I think you got, uh, I think Mark Jacobs might have even came he through was. that to, to get a he proper was. contract. You would all go on this big camp and get all these advice and skills. And, and one person would get, would make it. One of these groms would make it. But really, that's um, to go back to the UK side of things. That's something Emma's always been passionate about. She's been involved in the boards and more group for many you know many years now and she has really developed an incredible grom search program here in the uk where for you know pros like joe wilson that used to compete very high level um yep. on the tour aaron hadlow's around tom court takes part hannah whiteley's there and we're really getting together as many times as we can with these groups of young kids and offering all of our individual advice that we have we go kiting together and we're starting to see some real um, results of that now we have wonderful riders like max tullet who's come from that program and i hope we have more to come 
Yeah, and I think it. I think it's super important because it, you know, in the end, it starts the stepping stones for the, for future athletes. And you know, from an intelligence side on a brand, it's you know really good to get them young because you can mold them in the way that you would like to see them excel. And one of the things that I really love about the um, you know the Bordeaux Royal Group very often there's riders that have been there from the beginning like you said you know the likes of Tom Court coming out of those young blood camps Renault I mean Renault has been with them from the very beginning and you can see that you know guys like Jaime or Sky that have been there even before it does have that family and you it's kind of like for life yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like that. And you look, you definitely look for someone like myself, for people like Jaime and Sky, and you think, hey, you know, like there's a real pathway here in, in, yes. in staying with, with a brand that I love and have been, you know, this is well my longest sponsorship by far with a kiteboarding brand. And it does become um, like you're part of the family, but you can look to people that have gone through that same thing you know you mentioned Renault he must be due for a board no Joe a board name for him <laughs> I bet he does I bet he must have one he must have one um so Lewis going a little bit back to Big Air like I said before in the podcast for me Aaron yourself and Ruben Lenton you were the boys that started this movement you know we, we it came from the shins from the, the Flash Austins which was all about going high but you boys started taking it on the looping I mean, all of us will remember, you know, Beltran Fleury or Felix Pivot with what they used to call the donuts, if my memory serves me well, which was unhooking and looping the kite around on 10 meter lines. But you guys started the movement of jumping up high with normal length lines and starting to loop the kite in front. Where did that come from? And it must be really nice to feel that you have, you know, kind of put your grain of sand on something that over the last three years is the new tendency in kiteboarding well that's very kind of you to put me in that bracket with Ruben and Aaron but I think from my um from my side it's definitely uh, something that my passion came from seeing Ruben and Aaron um I, I believe Ruben was one of the earliest to really start exploring down that route Aaron was obviously traveling a lot with Ruben too so brought his um interpretation of what a uh, a kite loop was um so those two really are the ones i looked up to there and i was in my eyes a bit later onto the scene but i do very much remember the the, the way the name the mega loop come up it was through a year where everything was being called mega this mega that i mean from from anything a mega yep. table a mega pen a mega a mega tackle in football just everything was a mega and somehow that got um labeled onto a mega loop and it's stuck and it's 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 the perfect description it really feels that that name should be in the dictionary as a mega loop so um as much as maybe it's nice to have my name mentioned alongside the people that helped develop the mega loop it's for, for my sake the ones that i look up to and really felt influenced me and my journey were aaron and ruben yeah, I mean, a dynamic duo. Those guys were pushing it from the very beginning. One of the things I, I had a podcast with Aaron as well, and I asked him was the things that the big air scene is bringing now. I mean, over the last two months, we've seen double loops. We've seen the elusive F's loop. How much has the equipment 
um, taken its toll in this because I don't think it was a question of, you know, excuse the language, balls back in the day. But I do think that the, the development of the kites, new materials, new designs, new profiles have allowed the athletes to push even further. It's something that as a professional athlete in big air, I've thought about so much myself. You know, I've sat in the bath after sessions, you know, when all of this double loop started happening and, and, and I've sat on flights and thought, and the one thing you think of when you're, you know, you like to think you're at the forefront of the sport is how did I miss that? How did I miss that this was coming? Because, you know, in, mm. in some cases, it's possible to be bringing in some of these moves. You know, I haven't exactly brought in a whole vocabulary of new tricks to kiteboarding, but there are a couple of moves I feel I helped develop, like the doobie loop was definitely yes. a vision of mine. But I think I've I've got an ease with it now to to understand what has happened and you rightly point out the equipment which is where my my voice of reasoning has come to in my mind so i mean i actually had my big wipeout um, at the 2016 king of the air and i had imagined in my hospital dreams that i had done a double mega loop now you can believe that or not i had thought that that was what had happened mm-hmm. it was being discussed very um quietly behind the scenes i think but then when i was finally showing the video of what happened it was definitely not a double kite loop it was an absolute <laughs> terrible mistake of piloting error where i overflew the kite and lost my visual awareness yeah. which is really upset me but just going back to the equipment change joe i believe that what happened is that our sea kites which we were pushing and pushing were I don't think it's possible to do the double loop on the sea kites. I think that with the with the bridles and the way that the angle of attack can be manipulated so much more, there is a different type of kite loop now. And it's something that I myself as a professional rider really had to get to grips with. I've found yes. it difficult to adjust to the kites with bridles. And I feel that the, the movement of the sea kites and the way that they were looping in the wide arc that they would loop on the idea of a mega loop on a sea kite was to take the biggest possible size you could take notoriously a nine we can hold our nines down in 40 knots with that kite and then to loop the kite and get it level with you where you'd hit the power spike of the mega loop the kite would stall to the point you were free falling. I mean, it, you would hear the air go past your ears and you would drop and then you would find tension again. So what happened almost overnight with the, the, the young generation got hold of these new bridled kites and completely turned upside down what we were basing our mega yes. loop sessions on, which was to try and take a nine meter in seven meter conditions. Now, it's incredible that that what's happening is it's about taking a seven meter in nine meter conditions in my eyes that's what's happened is the kites, are, the kites are so much more powerful in the lower sizes that to have a kite that loops very quickly because that's clear i think a seven and an eight are the maximum sizes we're seeing with yes. these double loops here we need a small kite but the way the kite loops and more pivots around its tip allows the kite to come back up with so much tension that there's a second lift. There's a yes. second lift on. And that is where uh, the new generation, I call them the new generation because they are. They're the ones that have 
it totally explored this this new movement of kite that they're really exploring the way the kites move so again it's one of them things as a big air rider you think right i need to get on board with this everything i thought i knew about mega loops which perhaps maybe had, had closed its chapter with sea kites is, is now moving on so yeah something yeah. i've thought about a lot of joe and i think that equipment has had a big uh, part to play in it yeah, because one, one question I really have for you, Lewis, is we've seen it in freestyle. You know, we've seen it in slope style on um, the sports like snowboarding. Spin for win. We've seen sports go down a route where it gets so technical and, excuse the word, of PlayStation that, in my opinion, um, I really love quality versus quantity. I mean, it doesn't matter how how a lot of the guys are looping or how they're double looping or S looping. I still, on a personal side, I still like to see the yank, the commitment, you know, getting that, getting that loops. I mean, all of us remember that video from Ruben where his slingshot kite was going off the, over the top of, of table mounting, where he was literally, you would see him start, you know, start in England and land in France pretty much, where he was just getting that pull through the sky. You know, we see, uh, one of the things I am seeing with these double loops and the S loops, which are incredible, I am a little concerned to see if they, they're taking it too far that it's going to take away the quality just to be able to get that other spin in there. What do you reckon? Um, I think that the certainly with the double loop, I think that is in a bracket of its own. And I feel that the second loop almost seems to be coming down level with them. There's a real commitment to that because there is a long period of time with no... I just got to look at hills. There is definitely a case for there's no feeling with the kite for quite some time there and i've seen some of the crashes so in that way yes i think that's pretty epic but i've always been myself about quality over quantity and perhaps that comes from my freestyle days where i never had the option of of quantity (laughs) (laughs) lightweight mate lightweight yeah so the, the moves that i could do I focused on doing them as best as I could and I would be much more satisfied with my day if I went and did two big powerful mobs or something that with my kite on the water and I landed rather than 50 moves that were okay that's always been the way I felt about Mm. kiteboarding and I always feel that if you make a video with that one amazing move a day after a year you'd have a pretty decent video so you know that's the way I, I feel about it and I definitely have the um, the things I like to tick off in big air moves when I consider what a mega loop is to me it's it's high it's kite height the kite should be level the bar should be sheeted in but these are just my interpretations of what yes. I think should be uh, you know what I think is a good move so it's it's the nice thing with big air now is it's it's completely open to interpretation and I think the judges at all these events are going to have the hardest time ever working out with, with one guy with his kite on 10 meter lines going hitting the water i mean he's got his own thing going on and you've got the guys that are really pushing the mega loop board offs with triple spins and this and that and then double kite loop guys you know there's so much going on right now i'm so glad i'm not into commentator sorry into judging <laughs> commentating's okay but judging it would be a nightmare yeah no i i absolutely agree with you and i do think you know we saw it when we even started the c triple handle passes back in the day it needs to go to the 
extremity on that part to then tone it down and start to add the power. I mean, one of the things I really like about the big air scene at the moment is it is anybody's game. You know, you do have those top 10 riders, you know, you've got Mark, you've got Hills, you've got Stig, you know, you've got Aaron, you've got, all, you know, the Cassati brothers coming in, some of the youngsters, Cohen, anybody can go out into the water and win a competition. I think that's really good because it means that the motivation from all of them is even higher because it's like, oh, wait a minute, this guy can beat me, that guy can beat me, that guy can beat me, I got to go full power. Yeah, I think it's it's wonderful for the, the the old guard to have this challenge of um, staying up with it, which they can do. A lot of them, you know, that's how they've been making their careers, and that always upsets me when people talk about getting rid of the older riders when they're there for a reason. I was really happy to see Kev get to the oh. final and finish second. You know, and Mark can consider himself, I guess, in that bracket of a, an over thirty rider. Um, you know, so they still got a lot to offer, but the young guys having that hunger and that that fearless appetite that they have, it's really helping uh, all ages of riders. To be honest, it's great. It's 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 a really wonderful place to be. Um, big air involved in big air in our sport right now. It's, it's you know you you can't help but watch all these new moves and feel stoked to see it rather than like, oh no you know like when maybe you're younger you think oh, i need to be learning these moves what's going on now you just sit here like wow this is so good for the sport yeah I'm, I'm still waiting for a video to come out if i believe i can fly because with the height you guys are getting you're going to have enough time to have a coffee up there oh god you could, yeah i mean some of these videos people are traveling the distances you know the distances are just so far it's it's crazy it's really it's really good Lewis, so touching on the, one of the last subjects of the day is learning. Like we said, you, ha you have the coaching background, you do a lot of mentoring. One of the things I think is great, like for example, Duotone has the um, Academy app where, I mean, remember back in the days where you would grab that Space Monkey VHS and pause and stop, pause and stop, pause and stop on the old remote to try and learn a move. How important is it to now be able to have the technology both in the kites understanding how to set up the kites but also knowing how to do the move and interacting with the pros like yourself on an application it must help out so much well that takes me back pausing and playing space <laughs> i knew i'd get you there i knew i'd get you there that was some nostalgia there. That yeah. was lovely if I closed my eyes. But no, you, you're very right in saying that, um, you know, what with the, the modern uh, the digital apps that, that we can create and that we've done with Duotone, it's just such an amazing coaching tool. So me as an advanced coach, what's lovely for me when I'm working with my clients is that even before I meet with them, I can actually show them what they should be after in the session using the Duotone app. Um, and also people get a chance to actually talk to us as professional yes. riders as well and get some feedback and, and share their videos, which is you know one of the major features, actually showing us what they can do or what they can't do in most cases sometimes when they want to learn without actually even meeting them. So that's a very 
powerful part of of the app but um for me the, the duotone academy is all about giving people this feeling of um completion where they feel like they're actually ticking things off that's that's got to be for me as a coach one of the the best things about it is i can give somebody a journey i can say look you're going to start here on back rolls and then i want you to have all of these ticked off until the point that you've got a front roll and with a one footer maybe ticked off and then we can move to foiling and and, and it's free as well that i mean that's pretty amazing you know anybody thinking of coming up with a with an app of coaching just as duotone launch theirs would have just been absolutely deflated when ours come out it was like here's all our top pros doing it perfectly and you can speak to them and keep a record of what you're doing so i think that's been you know that's really revolutionized how we can interact with it with our coaching clients no, I th- and I think it's it also helped because one of the things I remembered as a rider and also, you know, trying to help out other people was it was one of the things we were lacking. I mean, I mean, I think, like you said, there was a few videos we had, you know, the likes of Andre Philippe with that video of Dream from Cabrina with Martin. Then you had Space Monkeys, the progression series from, from Aaron. I mean, the amount of hours that you spent trying to find footage find just someone to be able to look at and go okay you know poke you know stick your toe here spin around this way now with applications and with you know gopros and i think it's really cool to see yeah how interactive it's become and it's only going to make riders better quicker definitely and some people really got that um ability to self coach themselves you know what's with the days of youtube and things where people watch videos with our academy app people have been able to pretty much self-teach themselves how to be really proficient foil riders or surfboard riders or twin tip riders where maybe they might not have had that chance before no, absolutely and your sky's the limit and i think it's just time for us to to get out of the water and enjoy ourselves mate thank you joe it's been lovely to catch up with you today yeah thank you mate and i've got a feeling we're going to be on the mic together very soon i think think so joe i think that's our destiny yeah there you go well thank you very much everybody for joining in also that was inside the world of duotone with lewis craffin until next time (laughs) 